Greetings, Neurosphere. Mike from Alchemist, Bimbo Jimbo here with you, of course, getting you ready for the latest episode of the Best Damn Nerd Show, which is titled Playing with the Boys, because we are going to be talking about the hit Amazon Prime superhero series, The Boys, based, of course, on the comic book. We're going to get into all that, the differences between the show and the comic. If you've been wanting to watch it, pause this, binge watch season one, and if you want to binge watch season two, well, get used to disappointment. You can't do it yet uh, for season two. But if you're on the fence and you want to hear more about the boys, uh, you definitely will get informed in this episode. If you love the boys uh, like we did here at the Best Damn Nerd Show, I think you're going to have a hell of a good time on this episode. So without further ado, sit back, relax. It's showtime. New card. What do you think? Get over here! I'm Batman is playing Galaga. I understood that reference. You shall not pass! So say we all. So say we all. Run with me. It's adamantium tasting time, boys. Well, maybe it's your number one. All wings report in. Welcome to your weekly interval. This is the Best Damn Nerd Show. I am your host, Mike Fronakwis, Bimbo Jimbo. With me tonight, Imperial Commissar Jeff Budd. Just doing a little research for the show, fellas. <laughs> He's reading the <laughs> I'm going to do a visual prop every episode. <laughs> visual gags abound. Sorry, some of us like theater of the mind. You have to describe how you're holding up the comic that is The Boys, which is what we're going to be talking about. And Chief Science Officer of Star Labs, Mark Truex. Hi. Excited. I'm excited. I like as... the boys. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. I, I like the boys. <laughs> Your enthusiasm is appreciated as always, buddy. I, I like it. Mark is cracking up the entire seventh grade class right now. And Mark is also <laughs> doing a visual gag. He's wearing a Dune t-shirt. So, you know, we're, we're excited about the new trailer. More on that at 11. And Professor Chris Davis. Pretty sad I don't have any visual aid this time. Well, Davis is... You, you got the ball rolling. Yeah, and you're sitting in front of the Raiders logo, thus confirming that you are a Raiders fan. So, that's I'm good. Not. That's now show canon. You've been in front it, of it I for mean, weeks. explain it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm at my parents' house, man. <laughs> well... <laughs> I, another another basement-dweller Raiders fan is what I, it sounds like to me. I think I would have probably... <laughs> I think I would have stuck probably with being the Raiders fan than the latter, but, you know, you do you. Oh, not me. I'd much rather be in my parents' basement <laughs> than, <laughs> than flying the black and gray. Silver. <laughs> You're silver and black, dude? Vegas? Vegas proud. All right, welcome back to the Best oh, yeah. Damn Nerd Show. We are going to be getting into the Amazon series, The Boys, based off, of course, the, the comic book. Uh, but let's, uh, let's go over a couple of little news and notes and stuff like that. Mark, first of all, I got to see you socially distanced, of course. All protocols were observed. Uh, I you saw know. no masks in those pictures. <laughs> they, they, we were on a boat. They were translucent. <laughs> so, yeah, we were in inter international waters, so actually there was no no protocols that we had to adhere to out there. Uh, are but, Americans allowed to go into international waters anymore? What are the quarantine procedures? Uh, I, think, I think it was all good. We got all cleared rites of passage and everything. But Mark also showed me his treasure trove of toys from his ancestral home. Uh, in in the eight three one, Mark, what did you what did you take back with you? What did you find at home? It was it was pretty awesome. 
Yeah, so my mom held on to all of my toys from growing up. And God bless I finally her. found all of them. So I, I got all my old school Ninja Turtles, and I finally figured out how to reattach their hands soundly. So I've been repairing them all, <laughs> and getting all the hands reattached. I had nothing but nubs for a while. I got back the uh, the Technodrome, which was the massive playset of Krang's, you know, evil mobile fortress. A whole bunch of Power Rangers for my daughter to play with, and she loves Pink you, Ranger. You need She's to teach her to Kimberly be embarrassed fan. of those Power Rangers, Mark, like you were. <laughs> <laughs> we we also hit on a truth that maybe maybe Mark was embarrassed of liking the Power Rangers because I didn't like the Power Rangers and he was always hanging out with me so that maybe I ruined it for Mark which I, I like, feel no bad one's about talking positively about this stuff <laughs> and by no, no one he met to. me <laughs> so easily swayed <laughs> he was my only friend I was like playing toys with <laughs> <laughs> well, these, these toys are stupid am I right <laughs> it's like yeah. <laughs> But yeah, man, it's just been a total like trip down memory lane, digging through all these uh, toy chests of G.I. Joes and Ninja Turtles and Battle Trolls. Um, found a couple He-Mans and Terminator Had figures. some great wrestling action figures, too. Tons of wrestling action figures. Absolutely. One, one of the, the prize gems was Goldust with his robe. Yeah, with, with his robe. Can't find his hair, though. He, he used to have like a, yeah, a the little removable wig. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find it. That one's missing. I think my favorite part was uh, you were so excited to find uh, Tunnel Rat, the G.I. Joe. And keep in mind that the G.I. Joes are like the old school ones. Their they're, they're torso, like their upper body and lower body were uh, held together by rubber bands. And those rubber bands are so old now that I think exposing it to the open air <laughs> just destroyed them. Because one moment Mark was playing with a tunnel rat, and then a few minutes later he just found him just torso just detached pieces. from his legs. <laughs> just in pieces. It was so sad. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure you can fix them. That was the dream that we all had <laughs> when we were young. See, I don't know how to fix those. Even with the uh, the Ninja Turtle hands, because I don't know if you guys had the same issue. Constantly, the hands would pop off because you try to like shove something mm-hmm. in there, like a one of their weapons, and it's too much force, or you know maybe I'm just using gorilla strength. But they were always <laughs> losing their hands, and those things are a pain in the ass to shove back in. And I tried even like googling uh, after I brought everything home, like all right, what's the best method to reattach Ninja Turtle hands or anything? No advice. No advice online, not on Reddit, not on any forums, not on YouTube. It was very difficult. <laughs> I am not the only like one losing probably, hands. And uh, it sounds like that's a pretty rare occurrence. I never had that problem. Mark. No, it, it happens. Yeah, me neither. It, it, it happens. <laughs> they're, they're a pain in the ass to get back in. So you have, you have my you sympathies. I was a strong child. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was I, hard. I, so, yeah, I had to bust out needle nose pliers and do all kinds of like pushing of the plastics before they engulfed <laughs> them again. It's all right. I fixed a bunch of them. Well, I'm, I'm pretty I'm, proud of myself. I'm glad. I'm happy your mom held on to all those too. It was it was uh, it was an awesome trip down uh, down memory lane. Uh, all right, let's let's get into the actual news for for this week though. The Dune trailer came out this week. Are you guys excited for Dune? What what did you Bush think? Him. Your first look, Mark. You're wearing the shirt, so we'll keep it with you first. <laughs> Dune is so exciting. Uh, I, I read the first three books. Uh, within the past year or so and i i'm totally hooked on it and after i read the books i watched the uh, the david lynch movie uh you know even yeah. though repping the shirt here my god was there a lot of problems with it <laughs> uh, and then even watching the sci-fi like made for tv miniseries that they did 
was pretty was much better they at least told all the acts of the first book but still some things were just a little clunky like i I feel like the outside viewer watching either of those films who didn't know the story would just be confused the whole time and so what i'm really excited for is seeing how this one's being all packaged together and the world building they're doing on it uh i'm really excited for them to actually nail it and deliver it for audiences that maybe aren't familiar with the story and, and actually bring dune out bigger and better than ever I, I think it looks pretty awesome as far as far as first trailers go. Uh, you know, like I, I'm 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 hooked. So it looks really good. Jeff, what did you think? Because I know you're a fan as well. Fan of the series, but I've only read the first book. I'm also a fan of the original movie. I I forgive it its uh, mistakes. I think for an '80s movie and putting the entire story in one film, which is an incredibly ambitious project, it didn't do horribly. Um, but this looks great. I'm really excited. I thought the trailer was amazing. I'm glad they're splitting it into two movies. I think a miniseries would probably be best for the story, but I mean, I, I think this is going to be outstanding. I'm really looking forward to it. I like the kid who's going to play Paul Atreides. I think mm-hmm. he kind of looks more of how I visualize that character. Um, trying to think of who else is in it and which parts they're playing. I, I, I think everybody will be fine. Um, but yeah, I'm just really stoked. So, uh, so far, so good. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Davis, fine. I have no idea what your temperature on it is, Davis, actually. I knew Mark and Jeff were fans, but I have no idea about you. I know you're a Raiders fan, but on about Dune. <laughs> I know. It's all I anybody know, knows. I know nothing about Dune. I'm going to be real honest. I, I have Perfect. no idea what the story is. Uh, I'm actually still trying to grasp mark reading three books in a year because i can't even <laughs> fathom doing that especially the size of those ones and they're big they're <laughs> yeah, really these are big. serious <laughs> books man I, there's not I even any pictures davis traveling <laughs> there's no pictures it's not an audio book i don't know how you do that man uh no the, the trailer looks visually stunning and it looks just like a epic space opera sci-fi just like i'm i'm in like david uh villa was something uh yeah that's how you yeah thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got visually he he always seems to get it right um uh, from what i remember so I, I i am very interested to see what it is but i have no idea what the story is about so spice well, that's great then we'll we'll go back to you after we see the movie and see if it made any sense or not yeah, yeah. you're the you're yeah. the canary in the coal <laughs> yeah, mine I mean, davis like, like exactly what mark and i are talking about because it mark is very very correct in what he's saying about the original movie from the 80s if you don't know the story yeah hell man i mean it, you may still enjoy it but you certainly don't know what the fuck's going on <laughs> um but um yeah I, we'll see how this one explains things or or abbreviates things cuts things out or how they try to i don't want to say dumb it down because that's not the case but i don't know just try to make it more palatable for this type of medium yeah, and it is going to be two movies, I know, so that's... Yeah, that I mean, that already is a step in the right direction. Yeah. Da- and da- I really hope they expand into the following books, Messiah and Children of Dune. I mean, just the fact that they have Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho, that's where he really... Yeah. <laughs> Keep, no spoilers, Mark! I, I was going to say, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want to say anything. <laughs> oh, just... Yeah. No, no. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Stop it now, uh, Meg. Well, uh, all right. <laughs> uh, but Davis. I, I know what you mean, Mark, but yeah. You actually uh, <laughs> took a trip to the theaters, Davis, and you saw New Mutants. I almost uh, I almost forgot to bring that up. What did you think, dude? Oh, shit. I did see New Mutants. That's right. I did. Our, <laughs> <the last week. laughs> uh, Our correspondent man. on the scene. 
Man, so much has gone on. Uh, yeah, no, I, I did see, and I went to the theater, which was weird in this time and era, and there was only... Uh, How many people? My, just packed. In, including my girlfriend and I, uh, four. So... Oh, I love that. That's all the same price? <laughs> That's uh, all they're yeah. letting in the theaters? No. They're Sorry. taking these precautions way too far. Did you have to keep your mask on? Uh, no, only through the lobby, bathroom, getting concessions, stuff like that. Once you once you sat down, you can take it off. So, and they were, you know, on the other side of the aisle, a couple. They just sit right next to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we did end up sitting like two rows behind them at first. I'm like, what are we doing? There's nobody else here, so we we moved pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, no, bring, like but, a picnic blanket down. <laughs> no, so we we watched it, and I gotta say. It wasn't terrible. <laughs> Ringing endorsement movie that is dynamite. <laughs> what, yeah, and head of the I curve. Was about, I was like, man, what was the last X Men movie I could actually say that about? And it was probably Logan. Logan. Um, yeah, which was, ama- which was amazing. So I'm not going to compare it to that, but uh, you just did it. It was. <laughs> or was it Deadpool it, two? It, did that come out after Logan? Oh uh, yeah, maybe. Possibly. Uh, but the, you know, I would say half the characters were done very well. Half of them were not. Uh, the visuals were actually done really, I was surprised it from what we saw in the Comic-Con trailer, it stayed true and was pretty good throughout the movie. Uh, Magic and Wolfsbane were done really well. Mizey Williams and, uh, I forget the girl that does Magic, but, uh, they were, they were definitely the strongest characters in the movie so that was cool to see um but moonstar who is the feature of the movie was kind of a lame duck in my opinion um mm. which was too bad uh, ah. can cannonball doesn't have much of a leader role because they just kind of got um together this is like their first mission together i would say right. uh so he, he wasn't you know up to that leader potential, but I also didn't see him becoming a leader too, and they didn't really dive into that at all. So that was unfortunate. Uh, and um, uh, sunspot. Point me now, the fire fire guy. Yeah, uh, so, sunspot. Uh, he was just completely forgettable. Clearly, so. that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it, I thought he looked cool in what they showed at the Comic Con at home stuff too, like how they did his powers yeah. looked cool. No, the visuals were good for him. But it was just the character himself. They didn't give him much to much to work with. He was just kind of like this jockish, rich Brazilian dude, um, and just didn't really get outside of that. So, no. okay, um, yeah. But overall, they they did the Demon Bear Saga story, and it, it was, you know, it definitely wasn't word for word from the book. They took a lot of stuff from the graphic novel and what they did take was really good but when they tried to go outside of it it's just like what we see in game of thrones it's it's not good <laughs> they, they, they didn't have much themselves and um once they went outside of it, it, it that's where it faltered and uh so you know i'd say 60 percent of the movie was pretty good well that's you know like Worth like seeing in theaters during a pandemic <laughs> <laughs> See, when you throw that last part in, I'm not sure if you want to risk it for the... <laughs> for New Mutants. There. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I would, I think I'd probably go see Tenet instead right now. <laughs> Mark, uh, Mark on his deathbed's like, New Mutants was great. 
<laughs> it was worth it. Totally <laughs> worth it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh. Well, hey, 60% good, like Jeff jokingly said, you know, for an X-Men movie. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, lately, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take that. And and honestly, I'd, I'd like to see that group of characters again. Uh, I might no, change. Not happen. <laughs> but it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to yeah. happen. And we know that, and it's and it's kind of too bad. I, uh, I like what you said in the Discord, though, Davis. That you, I mean, obviously circumstances, whatever, like that. But the fact that you actually wanted to support it in theaters, you know, I I, I, yeah, appreci- I appreciate you saying that. We, we spent a shit ton on concessions because we felt that way. We were like, we need to support the theater right now, and we're not gonna sneak in candy and popcorn like we usually do. And what'd you get? Uh, <laughs> he bought a small popcorn for four hundred dollars. <laughs> Oh, we did the whole deal, you know, candy, popcorn, sodas. It was great. Back nice. to the movie experience. And you know what? I will go back right now because nobody's going. And so I, I definitely don't feel unsafe going. Uh, so that's, it's fine. Well, that's like, all right, well, good. Well, I'm glad you had a, a good theater going experience, despite the hit and miss nature of New Mutants. Uh, Jeff and I talked about on the last episode, uh, John Boyega's uh, strong comments about uh, Star Wars and how they treated uh, his character. And then uh, Star Wars finds itself back in the news with Daisy Ridley, a.k.a. Ray, essentially saying that they didn't know what the hell they were doing with her backstory and her parentage, that you know certain things were pitched to her uh, in terms of maybe being a Kenobi in the early going of the script. Then Ryan Johnson was adamant that she was a nobody. And then it kept flip-flopping back and forth, even during uh, Rise of Skywalker, in terms of who she was going to be related to. So, really, uh, I don't know. I found it pretty revealing in terms of just them not knowing what what the hell that they were doing with this this trilogy. What what did you think of the uh, the interview that Daisy Ridley did there, Jeff? Well, I think revealing is a good word to use to describe it. I mean, we all suspected that they didn't know, you know, their ass from their elbow as they were putting together this trilogy. <laughs> And she's kind of helped confirm it. I mean, I knew that Ryan Johnson basically threw everything out that if J.J. Abrams had passed on any notes to him. What I think they made the biggest mistake in then was then trying to do the exact same thing to Last Jedi. I feel like they should have then just like leaned into it and then uh, kind of just adapted some of the things that he had introduced in that film. I would have probably kept her as a nobody. I don't think there's anything wrong with her not having a lineage and still being force sensitive and maybe even being a great force user who cares yeah um if if she did have to be related to anybody i think i would have preferred it most if she was related to obi-wan kenobi um and now i was gonna say maybe that would mean that she's like half mandalorian and then i was thinking but mandalorians are you know not an actual race anymore <laughs> It's a creed, so I don't know. Ignore what I just said about that, I suppose. But it would <laughs> no. be kind of cool. I feel like if she was related to Obi Wan Kenobi, and then like it, it could have been different with her relationship with Luke, but then we would have had to do something different with Last Jedi, and and Brian Johnson didn't want to, you know, play with the same toys as J.J. Abrams. I mean, the whole thing is a disaster, and it's too bad. It I don't is. understand how this happens. I I don't know how you just let the trilogy be such a mishmash like that. I'd like to see a lot of people get fired, but in Hollywood, I just feel like. They shuffle people around, and everybody just gets richer. And <laughs> I don't know, movies aren't as good anymore. Now I'm now I'm a grumpy old man. <laughs> it's just it's, it's just funny how like tight you you imagine Disney is with their properties, the the do's and don'ts of things, and yet somehow this fiasco happened under their watch, where it's so blatant 
from movie to movie that these directors are trying to get something over on each other. Like, yeah, this is almost unheard of in, in at least what I know any of, studio. of other properties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. High Except stakes the pettiness. Day, they're investing millions of dollars in putting this thing out. And this time they're just like, fuck it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah full control. I, I truly believe this is going to be a forgotten trilogy. Uh, years down the road. I hope so. I think it's I, just going to be swept under the rug. I, I, I know kids grew up on it and they're going to be like, oh, this was the best ever. But it, there's, there's too much coming out now of like, re- remember when they lied to us in the second one about Ray's parents? Well, <laughs> like if if um like toy sales have anything to do with it, then it's like kids aren't really relating to this trilogy the way they were with the prequel trilogy, and then of course the original trilogy, which multiple generations were fans of. But I mean, I I think kids today, if they're into Disney movies, they're into the Marvel films, and it's like that just fills their void. It's like yeah, Star Wars, eh, whatever. You know, it's like I really like yeah. Iron Man. Now we're or doing this. Black Panther or something, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, elsewhere, we had the announcement that at long last, The Walking Dead is ending after season 11, but that Carol and Daryl are getting a spinoff. <laughs> Mark, you're the resident still support. I know Thank they, God. I know they lost you a lot along the way recently, but you were holding <laughs> on the longest, Mark. What may, what say you about, about the latest with The Walking Dead universe? Well, season ten still hasn't finished. Daryl survived. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Apparently, uh, Daryl's been fine. The Daryl Carol relationship has waned, especially in this past season, season ten. Um, I've always just been waiting for the slut apocalypse to happen with Carol from the comic books, and, and it's never delivered once. So, <laughs> thank God. I mean, Maybe it, it will miss spinoff. <laughs> They'll pitch it to Cinemax. Maybe maybe it will finally happen. I don't know. Jeff, you seem excited about this news, other than the spinoff, of course. But, of course. Well, of course. <laughs> Man, um... Jeez. I, I can't I, believe I, it's been that long, to be honest with you. It's crazy how, how quickly the, time goes. The Walking Dead started up again when we started doing the podcast over Skype. I know. Like, that's weird. I will, yeah. because I have in my mind's eye talking to like i know where i'm sitting in my living room doing the show with you guys via skype and i know exactly what tv i was watching walking dead on at the time and like that's sort yeah. of the, the box that because that's like i loved early walking dead and it was so much fun talking about it with you guys yeah no i mean it like it was even before like mark joined the show and stuff and he's the only one who's like really read a lot of the walking dead so i mean read all of it everything well at the time you didn't because it was still going on <laughs> it was still going on but um, yeah, so a, a lot of it was just like real guesswork with us. And then, I mean, the show did, you know, diverge a few times from the, the comic even pretty early on. So, I mean, it's kind of exciting even for a reader like Mark to have watched in the beginning. But man, did it just it went it overstayed its welcome and it stopped being interesting and it was incredibly formulaic. And, you know, the the big bad that we were promised and, you know, people were building up and getting excited about. It's like when he did show up. As much as I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I was like, man, I, I'm i not feeling this the way I, I think I'm supposed to. And there's yeah. like too much going on with the story where I was like, I, I think The Walking Dead's just sort of passed me by. Yeah, I know. I think, I think that sort of sums up uh, my sentiment on it as well. 
Uh, I'll tell you what still is good, still putting out great content, and that's the boys. We're going to talk about season one, what's been released of season two. It is the Amazon Prime hit series, The Boys, on the other side on the Best Damn Nerd Show. Hey everyone, Chris Seglia here, CEO of the Tenno Media Network. I would like to say thank you for checking out one of our podcasts, but we need your help. You can support Tenno in a multitude of ways by going to our website and checking out our latest podcasts, by buying some sweet merch, joining our Discord, or getting early and exclusive access to all content via our Patreon. Your support means the world to us, and you can find everything on our website, www.10-o.gg. That's T-E-N-O.gg. Thank you again, and now, back to the show. It's me, Iron Sh- No, uh, Iron Nerd Minmaxer, Hanzo Gonzo, inviting you into Kitchen- No, 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 no. Uh, the Tenno Media Arena to see whose nerdiness will reign sup- No, no, we're gonna get sued. If you- Uh, will triumph a lot, Lee. Come check out all the battles on the Tenno Media Network Patreon, or you can just skip to the parts where Steve physically breaks something for no reason. See you there. It's the Microphone Alchemist Bimbo Jimbo here, and when I'm not verbally super-kicking Last Jedi fans on the Best Damn Nerd Show or fantasy-casting The Rock in another movie on the DLC, well, that's when I actually get to talk about wrestling. That's right. Come join me in the Wrestling War Room, where I take my mic to the mat and launch my hot takes about the Wednesday Night War between AEW and NXT. The Wrestling War Room. Which side are you on? Okay. Recording. So, yeah, make sure to go and check out the latest Ultra Monthly podcast where Jeff and I sit down with uh, Ultraverse founding father and Malibu Comics publisher Dave Oldridge. All right. Segment two coming up in three, two. <laughs> I asked Jeff last episode if he wanted to plug and promote anything. <laughs> He never asked me, Mark. I did, too. I have the recording, you son of a bitch, just for this reason. No, he did. I just I figured that out. <laughs> son of a bitch. He sent us authentic swag. Swag! <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wear my shirt next time I see you. Nice. Nice. Wish I was down there with you. Okay, the boys. Actually, segment two coming up. Three, two, and one. Welcome back to the Best Damn Nerd Show, Bimbo Jimbo, with Jeff Budd, Mark Trex, and Professor Chris Davis. And we are going to start getting into The Boys, the Amazon Prime series, and just how we all you know, got introduced to it. I, I was not familiar with the comic series coming into this. Uh, my you know first introduction to it, I think for most of you, maybe not Mark, I, I don't know. Um, maybe Mark was more familiar coming in, but was that Comic-Con panel... Uh, that we sort of all ended up in by happenstance. I think Jeff and Mark were together. I sort of wandered in on my own later on. But uh, what was sort no, of? I came in late. What was what was your introduction uh, to the to the whole deal, Marco? We'll start with you. So I was familiar uh, with the boys as being a comic book. It wasn't one that I read. Um, but I was a fan of Preacher, another Garth Ennis project that had been adapted into a, a television series as well, and was a big fan of that and of just Ennis's writing in general, his whole uh, style. It's very visceral, as anyone who's seen the show clearly can tell. And and so seeing that they were going to adapt it into a superheroed one, 
um i was jazzed on so so knowing that was already going to be a comic-con i made sure i was there because it was put together by the same team that put together the preacher show as well and they're doing very um I, i would say faithful in a sense adaptations of how they're doing characters and they're not like really pulling punches so to speak and this is the kind of content you don't want those punches pulled uh it's highly entertaining and disgusting and <laughs> and it's right up my alley yes uh, <laughs> yeah very on brand for you jeff uh i know you said you came in late but what so i guess you were exposed to it at comic-con for the first time right yeah at comic-con i saw the billboards um i thought that the seven were the boys just because i, I yeah. thought it was just about <clears throat> that superhero team and then yeah i came into ballroom 20 i didn't get to see any of the scenes because i came in so late i was only there for the q a which is probably for the best. I didn't have anything spoiled for me, but I really liked the Q and a, um, it sounded like an interesting enough concept. So I checked it out when it, uh, premiered on Amazon, like what a week or two after comic-con last year. And then it turns out, well, what happened was I became such a huge fan of the series. Then I bought all the comics like that fall and read them. And then I loaned them to Mark so that he could read them too. But you guys bought me a hero gasm, like back in 2009, and so, like, we actually had an issue of the boys with us <laughs> back then, but we had no idea. Like, I, I didn't know that it wasn't, like, a standalone. I didn't really understand uh, the part of the story that was, like, from something else and that it was building on. I just thought it was, like, a huge, like, superhero orgy. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. But, yeah, it was very much, like, True. smack dab in the middle of the boys' storyline, which was kind of cool. Yeah, that, that's – no, that's awesome. Davis, was that the same for you? Did you get into the panel, Davis? Were you there as well? or? I was, Mark and I were in that room for a while together. Okay, so I was. That's who I was I thinking saw of. The whole thing. I saw it all. Yeah, I've seen uh, everything. <laughs> and then that that was uh, my first introduction to it. Mark had kind of prepped me on like what he knew about it, um, and which was you know a lot of the preacher stuff, uh, where it came from, and and I didn't even really know much about that property to be honest with you. So. Um, I didn't have much going into it, but the, the whole panel, I mean, it was great. I mean, they hyped that show. They had everyone there. It was yeah, not, everybody did not get that much time to talk and, but they were, they all seem genuinely just happy to be there and just stoked to be able to share it with everybody. So, I mean, that, as we've said before, that always shares so much to a panel and, uh, the footage that they did show was actually, it was pretty good too. This question's for everyone. Nope, none of that. <laughs> none of that. Uh, so the you know the so the show comes out and I think pretty unanimously we, we all loved it. But what really hooked you? Like how long did it take for you to feel uh, like that this show was you know something special or that you're really enjoying? Because I remember I think I was texting you Jeff or I was texting somebody else about Huey's girlfriend, and I was like I was like she doesn't like Billy Joel. I was like I hope this bitch gets killed. Like and then. Um, Boom! She's dead. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> show gets me." I don't even know how you got that text out. Honestly. <laughs> like, like <laughs> then she was gone. I was like, "Dude, what the hell?" And like, so I was like, and I also was not expecting because I came in late to the panel, so I didn't know the level of brutality and just what it what I was in store for. But what really hooked you on the show at first, Jeff? Um, yeah, it, it definitely started off real strong and I enjoyed the entire first episode. I think by episode two, um, I was just like, yeah, I definitely want to keep watching this. I mean, it just progressively got better. I, I don't know if I could go back on season one and say like particular episodes that stood out to me, but I mean, it's like those scenes stand mm-hmm. out to me. 
And so, I mean, I think it's even by episode two that we already have like a train's race and stuff like that. It's like, I liked all of that. And I kind of liked how they built the world and, you know, if superheroes were real, you know, they'd be run by a corporation sort of, they would also be like our celebrities and I, just all that kind of be melting together. I really enjoyed. You, you said something about the, the world and that that's one thing that in getting ready for this episode that uh, I think is underrated about the boys is that it does feel like a real universe that they've created. Like that it's, it, it's it exists it sort of it lives and breathes even when the cameras aren't on they did a really good job of world building with the boys and in going back and you know now watching the first few episodes of season two and, and watching some of my favorite parts of season one they, they did a phenomenal uh job with that but davis what hooked you on the boys i i mean <laughs> the the first scene i think will hook just about anybody like just from the from the get-go you know this is not your typical superhero show. But, I mean, beyond that, Homelander's character is just... I, I can't take my eyes off of him when he's on the screen because there's so he's much very handsome. he does. <laughs> uh, but he's so... There's so much going on with his face in every scene that he's acting. And he, I just... I was laughing last night as I was watching the... Uh, last two episodes of episode or of season two and i'm laughing as i'm watching him and, and my girlfriend just goes what are you laughing at he he, he rapes people <laughs> he he is not a well, good man we don't know that yeah well you know, <laughs> it's implied he, 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 <laughs> he does so, he does some vile horrible things and he is a murderer at the yeah. very least yeah i mean but, it, if we don't know about the raping, we do know about him like destroying an airplane. Or, yes, and, yeah. like leaving that we other airplane to die. Like, I mean, yeah, he's done he, a lot he, of awful he is, things. He's a wicked man who's done many wicked acts. Yes, and he, I, I just laugh because he's just so good. And I was like, wow. I mean, it's just there's so much going on with his character and everything about him. And I just, it's just, it's fun to watch. He he is a very. Uh potent combination of charisma and like this weird intimidation like he's scary but very charismatic all at one it's uh, just a very interesting combination mark what hooked you on the boys the uh, just like davis that first scene with the armored truck where they're showing this awesome destruction with uh mave just giving like a wink and a nod and they do all these kind of like cutesy like what you would uh, associate more with like silver age uh, you know, like comic books where it's like, they're looking all regal. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of fun and games for them, but just like atrocious violence all <laughs> mixed in. Um, that that hooked me like right off the bat. And you can tell even in those scenes with Homelander where he's kind of talking to the kids and they're like wanting to take his photograph and stuff. And he's like, I, I forget if he throws like part of like the car or something. He throws and, like, a person. That guy. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. throws one of the oh, guys. Yeah. He's a person. That's what it was. Yeah. I was. Just, like, I just remember like a guy getting off in the distance or just yeah. like, yeah. Perfect. He just owns every scene. Uh, I, I want to talk about the, the comics with uh, with Jeff and Mark in terms of what uh, do you feel like the comics did better? What do you think that the changes that the show made for the better? Just sort of a little compare and contrast on what you've liked from the show as compared to the comics and vice versa. Jeff, we can start with you if you just want to name a couple things. Well, I mean, the show's just started. I mean, we're only in the beginning of season two, so I don't want to hold it against it too much, but the world is much bigger in the comics there's mm -hmm. so many superhero teams there's so many characters i mean the seven are a big deal it's kind of like a 
very tight group of the Justice League or like, you know, the Avengers or something like that. But all the other groups, I mean, it, the boys kind of work their way up to confronting the seven. They have to go against some other groups first. Mm -hmm. I like so that. It, it's those other groups that are a lot of fun and you can do a lot of things with. And it, I liked it because they name dropped a lot of it in the first season with the G-Men and Tech Knight and everything like that. It's like, I really would like to see those characters. I don't know if they would do it. I really would like to see the g-men just because that's a that story gets dark um <laughs> i don't know i tech knight i feel like they would have to do different things with i don't know how that's gonna work and then also i don't know how his costume would look on amazon prime it may look kind of dorky um and then as far as some of the characters go it, it's hard to say the show improved on some characters like homelander i like butcher more in the comics carl urban's character really because i find him yeah. i really like him in the show too i i like him a lot more in the comics honestly um and then i'm trying oh and uh she's not in it anymore but i really liked Stillwell in the comics um he's a guy so and he doesn't have a relationship in any way with homelander other than that he is like kind of the the vot representative that sits there with the seven and he is man he's got like ice water in his veins i feel like they've kind of taken his character and split it a little bit mm. and so like the name of stillwell was in the season one and then i can't think of the man's name uh the, like the higher up boss edgar who was Gus like spring yeah who i mean character existed <laughs> in the in the comics but wasn't really like there that much and I, I feel like that's almost the the actual stillwell after having him um have an interaction with homelander so i mean i I don't want to say too much because I don't know what else the show will take from the books. But if you have a chance, read the comic books. It was very interesting just seeing what it was like having this corporate guy interacting with the seven, kind of being their babysitter. And then them uh, always talking about it's like his heart rate never changes. You know, it's like nothing ever seems to shake the guy. And he really is an ordinary human. There, There's no like twist that he had some sort of like great powers or anything like that. It's just he knew how to handle them. Yeah. And he was always in control. And, and there's something kind of reassuring and at the same time, like, disturbing about that, that someone like Homelander was, like, completely helpless to him. And Homelander, he's better on the show, but he was fun in the books. And it, it is kind of like seeing, like, a toddler have these temper tantrums sometimes, except for he's, you know, a demigod, <laughs> yeah. basically. Now, so. you, you said a couple times that on the show you think Homelander's a little bit better. Why is that, uh, without giving too much away, I guess? I, I think he has a better personality... Um, I think he's a more compelling character in, in the comics. He's almost like a big dumb jock type guy. Okay. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that character works in that regard too, but uh, he's more sinister and calculating, I guess on the show. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I also just really like how Anthony Starr kind of owns the character a lot. I, I like a lot of the characters on the show more butcher and don't get me wrong. I really like Carl Urban as butcher. I just think he's so much better in the books and I think maybe it's because I think he was Enos's favorite. And so, like, mm. he really writes him well. I feel he's almost his voice a lot of times with a lot of things. And, uh, oh, I thought Queen Maeve is much better in the books, too. But you know what? The show is still very early on. I don't mm. know how Queen Maeve's portrayal is going to go. And she could end up being just as good or maybe even better, too. But right now, um, I, I give it to the comic. Maybe because I know the entire story for her. Mark, jump in. Yeah, so some of the adaptations of the characters are a little different. I would agree that Homelander seems better in the show. It's because it it shows more of like the cracks in his so-called armor, where you see him uh, with his obvious like 
turmoil and how he's really damaged <laughs> innocent and crazy uh where in the books he just seems like this stoic buff dude with superpowers and then later on you start seeing how twisted he really gets but i i feel anthony Starr's like portrayal of it really rings home uh the deep is basically a nobody in the books oh uh, yeah so he's, he's, he's way better on the Way better. <laughs> he's he's more of just like he's really into the money and making sure that you know their representation is correct you know he's getting all the correct market shares that type of thing yeah. but um he's i would say that a train in the comics is kind of a mix between the deep and a train on the show okay mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> uh the deep in the books too he has a uh like uh a submar a submariner helmet on uh, yeah, like a deep it's, dive. It's okay, like a deep diving helmet because it's cursed by like some Atlantean curse, so he can't take it off. So he's I kind of like that actually. Has that on, <laughs> and like, and there's this funny thing they do where they try to like. Yeah, I would never put Chase Crawford's face under that. But... Later on, where they just basically like throw a towel over him, like a she, and they're like, no one can tell that's the deep that big I... helmet. <laughs> I just read that part again today. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was really good. I I, I feel like what was changed a lot in the show is just how they treat a lot of the side like characters um a little more like cannon fodder like the fact that stillwell mm-hmm. is dead now and and was basically a, a big part for the entire book yeah. uh rainer uh that they they kill off oh, rainer yeah. right at the beginning of season two and she was she had a, a decent amount of roles, but that was a consistent thing. Their connection with the CIA throughout the entire book, and then her underling, a uh, monkey. I don't think we've seen at all uh, mm-hmm. the legend at the comic book shop. You don't see him uh, at all either, and, and he's a huge piece of of who the boys are and how they're getting a lot of this information and insight. Uh, the legend, uh, for those who haven't read it, is kind of like a, a Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. of sorts and so he's the guy that's tasked by Vought to take these uh you know superheroes and develop them into the comic book characters to be digested uh mm. by the propaganda uh, basically yeah, yeah i like and, it and so they took like an actual comics guy and, and turned it into that and, and, and he's so he knows really... all the secrets and he's been a part of all of it like since the beginning and that's i wonder if we will get him though since it looked like they're underneath the comic book shop here in season two Mm-hmm. And, and it's like that's basically where his base was throughout the series so i don't know maybe yep and then i i find that they did a lot more character development on the boys uh so early on in the show uh just frenchie and the female almost have no character development for the majority of the book and that's kind of their intrigue is there's these mysterious killers i mean those guys are tanks they really are uh but in the show they've added a lot more human elements to them to make you actually invested in who they are which which is again a nice touch on it interesting okay yeah yeah that's another big difference is in the comics the boys are soups yeah i was gonna i was gonna hit on that because i know you had mentioned that before do you feel like that's something that maybe is coming down the line for the show or uh, or do you think they're just gonna abandon that entirely I mean, I'd like them to abandon it entirely, honestly. I, I feel like it's very you know, hypocritical that it's like, well, you know, are all soups bad? And it's like, yeah, you guys are soups and you're what government controlled soups. So that makes it OK, because they're definitely on the CIA payroll in the comics as well. And then here they almost seem to be more like independent freedom fighters, sort of freelance, if you will, looking to get paid after they're doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Type thing. 
Um, they're like the but I like the Yeah, I like the idea of the no backing, and I like the idea that they're mortal men. And I mean, the, the female is still a soup, which is fine, because that just goes with her character. Her origin really hasn't like changed at all. She is exactly like that in the comics. Um, and then the only other weird thing, though, is that Mother's Milk is like a natural soup, where all of them like take this pill that makes them better than most soups. It's like Mother's Milk is a very different type of soup, and I don't know how they're going to do it on the show because it also has to do with his name, Mother's Milk. And yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's a weird one. So I, I don't know why he has the nickname on the show. But even in the show, because I, I just I've only seen the first episode of season two, uh, but they address him as like Marvin Milk, like that's his given name. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I don't know. That's bizarre. It's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the no, he has he has it for a very different reason, very disturbing reason in the books. So. All right. Well, <laughs> I guess I guess. But I could see Butcher like taking something like maybe towards the end of the series, just so that he could you know duke it out with with Homelander. Homelander. The thing is, they weren't strong enough to face Homelander in the comics, though. Like he, Homelander, Maeve, and like Black uh, Black Noir, like the three of them are still like the most powerful. <laughs> Then like Butcher and the boys, yeah. And then like some of the other, oh well, and maybe like uh, Stormfront and everything too. But yeah, I mean th- they were able to outclass almost all of them. I I love it. I'm I'm intrigued uh, by the differences in the comic. I, I love some of the things that you guys have put out there in terms of that they they do well there that they haven't incorporated yet into the show. But that being said, the show itself uh, I think unanimously we also find to be really delightful and and very oh, yeah. enjoyable. Uh, so let's let's start by diving into season one and what we what we loved about season one. Some of our favorite moments, and we'll we'll go through characters and stuff. Uh, along the way as well but mark we'll start with you in terms of some of your your favorite season one moments from the boys um i liked everything with the deep aside from like his introduction that was uh (laughs) so terrible (laughs) (laughs) with him and and starlight but everything after that like basically this whole sort of like that they're trying to put him on like this redemption arc yeah sort it feels like and just everything that happened to him like you felt good because of what happened between him and starlight uh in the very beginning so him with you know the the lady abusing his gills and him trying to free the lobster and the dolphin like the dolphin scene is incredible (laughs) all the scenes are gold because it's just torturous for him yeah you get a joy out because you know he's like a bad guy but by the end of it you're just like I want him to get a break. <laughs> it's Chase Crawford too. He, he's a, he's a hard guy not to like. And going back and you know and watching season two and rewatching some of season one, he he really he really did such a great job uh, as the deep. I, I I think he's really awesome. Uh, I think uh, I, I wanted to make sure that that I threw this one out there. I forgot that it was in I think the first episode when they go to the like the superheroes like lounge like the the hidden bar kind of deal. And it's like they're doing all their pervy stuff where they're they're out of the eye of the paparazzi and everything. That scene blew me away the first time I watched it, and it's still just as good wa- watching it back now. Like that's that's just one of the best parts of the show to me, and it's it speaks to that world building. It's like oh god. 
God, it's just like this is, this is what these creepy bastards are like with their superpowers. There's a tiny little guy like running and <laughs> launching himself inside a woman and she's loving it and like Ezekiel's doing his thing and like there's like the people that can fly that are having an orgy towards the ceiling and they're just doing all kinds of messed up shit. It's like Moss Eisley for, for superheroes. Yeah. I mean, heroes in yeah, quotes, I guess. Basically, herogasm boiled down into like a small clip. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so wild. I remember just watching. I was like, this show is like it's like Mystery Men and Watchmen, just with the the volume turned up all the fucking way. It was crazy. Uh, Davis, how about you? What are some of your favorite moments from The Boys? Yeah, one one of my favorite scenes was uh, I think it was a Make a Wish Foundation that oh. they were at. <laughs> the train. Yeah, Adrian's there. He's like, I can teach you how to run as fast as I do. And the kid's is like, really? Can you teach me how to outrun cancer? Does <laughs> everything to do with like that scene? It was, it was just so much black comedy in it. It was, it was so good. I, I think the underrated part of that scene is is watching because it's like all playing out like on Instagram Live. So you're you're seeing the reactions change for like everybody's like thumbs up and hearts at first, and then the kids like, but I wanted to see translucent. And, and then they're getting sad, and then when when A Train is just clearly dropping the ball, it turns like the angry and like the crying emojis that are floating up on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Super good, uh, Jeff. And what, any, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And then any scene between uh, still is it Stillman? Stillwell. 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 Sorry, Stillwell and Homelander is just like just memorable. Just how creepy and just disturbed it is. It's just. Those scenes always stuck out to me, too. Just anything regarding that odd, odd relationship. Very off-putting. <laughs> yeah, and I, I and I can't believe that wasn't in the comics, because you guys said he was a man. He still, uh, still, still was a man, and, I, and that just blew me away, because that relationship in the show, and that, those scenes, man. That, that, that was Their writers made it up. They made it up. Complete fabrication. <laughs> <laughs> then again, it's all fiction. But. They got me. They got yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, see, Davis, Bravo. you love it. <laughs> Jeff, what about you? What are some of your favorite moments from the season one of The Boys? Um, I mean, yeah, I'll piggyback on what the, my boys have said. All of those were great scenes. Um, probably my favorite scene, though, was the airplane rescue gone awry with uh, Homelander and Queen Maeve and I mean, they went there with the best of intentions, and then when it turned out that things weren't going to go so well, you know, <laughs> Homelander decided to just abort the mission and let all those people die. I loved all of that. I thought that was great. Um, and then I liked a lot of um, kind of like the final confrontation scene with uh, Butcher and and Homelander in Stillwell's house. I thought that was a really wild way to end uh, season one. So I thought all of that was good. And yeah, I really liked all of the deep stuff too. I really liked the lobster scene for some reason. I think that's my favorite scene with the deep. <laughs> I feel really bad for him with that one. Yeah, I do too. Even more than the dolphin for some reason. I don't know. I just, it really... I don't know. It hits home. I like the conversation he was having with the dolphin and just the fact that it got ran over. I don't know. It's just, it's all sad with, with him, but it's, you know, I think the cast did a really good job overall. Uh, and we're going to go through some of the characters and stuff like that. And there are characters that when they were first introduced that I thought I would absolutely not be into them. And they almost all won me over in some sort of endearing or captivating way within the show. And so, you know, good, good on them. Uh, some, some other scenes that I thought really stood out were, um, you know, anything with black noir for me, 
Uh, he is unironically one of my favorite characters in the show, and I think how they portray him is hilarious because he he doesn't say he's very like everybody compares him to Snake Eyes online because he has a very similar look. He doesn't say anything, uh, but I had forgotten uh, at the party him sitting next to the piano player and then just taking it starting playing the piano. It's so freaking good and it's just yeah, it's he's he's hilarious to me. And I even love how uh Homelander refers to him, you know, when he's like chastising the group, talking about how they've lost their way and they seem to be, you know, confused and falling down. He's like, Not you, Noir. I know you're doing your thing. <laughs> it's like that always that was always so good. That was such a good moment to me. Um but the other thing I want I want to mention was I think that the the love story between Huey and Starlight was actually really well done and believably written. Uh, I, I liked how they first met in the park and how they were talking with one another. And, you know, Huey didn't have any sort of agenda going into that. He just, they both were, were going through just the shits, you know, and um, I just, I, I liked their relationship quite a bit and I'm, I'm rooting for him, you know? And so like, as we move into season two and everything, uh, I, I want them to end up together. So uh, I thought they did a really good job uh, with their sort of romance, just their relationship through all the ups and downs of it. It sucks what happened between them and like Butcher, you know, pushing Huey to, you know, betray her trust and everything. And man, uh, I think we talked about this in the original run uh, when we discussed, but like when he's on the date and Butcher interrupts and he's got that friend that interrupts on the date, it's like, Dude, the worst cock blocks. Do not. Do not come sit down mid-date with Huey and Starlight. It's brutal. Very bizarre. Brutal. I mean, I understand why Butcher did it, but I don't understand why that other guy did it. It's like, come on. Yeah, awful. It was incredibly rude and insulting him. <laughs> um, but let's let's go through some of the characters. Uh, Homelander, we, we've talked about a bit already. Uh, I think, to me, he's probably the standout character from the show. I think he owns every scene that he's in. Uh, Anthony Starr, as Jeff alluded to, he just... He he's such a charming and charismatic actor. And Davis, you talked about it too, just his presence. Like there's something about him that even just like the little facial expressions and everything, like he he demands your attention. It's just when he's on the screen, you just don't know what's going to happen because you know just a light switch can click and he's going to go batshit crazy or something. And you're just waiting for something and you're just always in anticipation if he's around. And I, it, it's hard to remember a character that does that in a TV series for me. That just had that much depth to him that you just don't know what he could do next. Jeff, That's exactly I, why Mark cast him for Lex Luthor, and I think it would have been awesome. <laughs> oh, was that right? That's true. That's yeah, true. because he said he That's he's true. kind of demonstrating what Homelander's. It's like what we would want to see in a Lex Luthor, uh, in a Superman film, where it's like he holds it together and he seems really you know, perfect. And then, yeah, snaps. <laughs> uh, Jeff, I know you, uh, you were captivated by Homelander so much so that you did a really kick-ass uh, Homelander costume. Uh, which... I was actually even going to wear it to Comic-Con this year. Look how that turned out. Damn it. <laughs> but what is it about <laughs> That's Homelander? That's what I get for trying to jump on the Davis cosplay. <laughs> um, you know what it is? I think it's a really cool character design because I do like the, the amalgam version of like Superman and Captain America. It's like super soldier. Um, and then uh, also the fact that like uh, with all of the the characters and the boys that they turn it on its head. So, you know, 
Homelander to me represents exactly why Superman is as great as he is because Homelander has all those powers and you see how it's corrupted him completely. He really doesn't have to answer to anybody if he doesn't want to. And he's constantly questioning it of like, why am I answering to anybody? I'm going to push it a little bit further. And he becomes kind of sadistic and twisted and, you know, expects certain things to just happen. And he's a bully. He's very petty. Um, and you see that a lot in season two also where, um, the girl who got the promotion uh, to basically Stillwell's position. I forget what her name is, but oh, yeah, yeah. the one who was Maggie, a real bitch to Starlight in yeah. season one. It's like it, the things that Homelander is saying to her, it's like, of course you could, you know, eradicate her immediately if you have to, Homelander. But the fact that he then speaks to her like that, it just shows, you know, what a, a small man he is in a certain way. And it's like, and Superman is the complete opposite and is even more powerful. And it's like, Homelander is a testament to why Superman is such a great, character and i would of course like see like all the fan illustrations i'd love to see superman you know get his hands on homelander and put him in his place it would be terrific and you know homelander would probably just drop down on his knees and beg for forgiveness <laughs> beg. you know because he's a coward like a dog <laughs> like if he ever had to face something that actually put him at a disadvantage he would fall apart yeah kind of like with that plane rescue yeah no that is that is an interesting <laughs> interesting point the plane rescue is a great scene and you know when yeah even when they're hitting that turbulence oh that was a big one and it's just like yeah let's just bail like, yeah. <laughs> hold well, on. He's to... like, because I can't save some people because then it's going to get out that I couldn't save everybody. Yeah. You know, hold so on like, to the plane. <laughs> as far as hurting his brand. And yeah, he did make some very good points from like a physics perspective. That's like, yeah, what does he do? How does this flying work? He's not pushing off of anything. He can't just like, yeah, fly the plane above him or anything like that. It's, it's just very interesting. You get to see the limitations of. You know, somebody who's considered like limitless. Yeah, no, and I like the the PR the PR aspect as a through line in in the show is, is really good. And you know, jumping ahead to season two, how Homelander treated uh, that that blind uh, superhero, <laughs> just boxing his ears and just wrecking him was intense. But <laughs> but it just he made a good point. It's like what happens when that when somebody does that to him? It's like he's done. It's like as as simple as that. Uh, Mark, what did you think about Homelander and just why why do you think he? sort of uh, I, I think pretty much the consensus like stand out and you're the resident Superman fan so uh, yeah, I think, what do you think of him for that perspective I think Superman tends to be you know the collective minds like iconic superhero when, when you think of like who a superhero is both just his actual look and power set and, and mentality and all that and so Homelander very much is just a twisted version of that so it's already taken this kind of character that most people would have a certain feeling toward and anticipation of who they are and how they fit into this world and just completely flips the script on them. And the fact that he is so maniacal and evil uh, and complete opposite of what Superman truly is, is what makes him so enthralling to see on film. Yeah, and he, he does such a good job, again, Anthony Starr, of, like, putting on that front. Like, I love taking the selfie with the kids, but really you can tell, like, it's just a veneer. He's like, God, just get me out of here uh, kind of stuff. Uh, I, I do like one of my favorite quotes is what I do want to hear is who we saved this week. <laughs> and just, like, the complete <laughs> bullshit put on for Starlight and everyone. Um, also, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up his how he talks to Mesmer. It's like, well, golly gee shucks. I don't give a fuck like, what you have to do with any of this. It's like so good uh, how he talks to him. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on Mesmer in a, in a moment. Uh, Queen Maeve is somebody that you said, if, you know, the show is early on, but that she's gotten sort of more run in, in the comic thus far. Uh, I love her intro. 
uh, you know, Mark, you talked about with her, like, going through the armored car and everything like that. But she does seem like maybe that she's been, and again, early on in the show, given sort of the short shrift thus far. I would like to see more uh, of Queen Maeve and the boys. Um, Davis, you seem to, to concur. Yeah, no, I mean, really the only run she's getting right now seems to be around the relationship with her and her ex. And that, that's great and all, and that's, it's cool to see that side of her character, but I, I'd like to see just something more than that. I know, there, I know there's something more between her and Homelander. You can feel it. They kind of tiptoe around it a little bit, but there, there's just so much more there I think they could dive into, and I think this season's going to. I, I think they're setting up more for Queen Maeve later down in season two, and that's that that's great because I, I do think she's a good actress so far. So, um but so far, she's just kind of been a little limited. I will say Queen Maeve in the comics is a slow burn as well. So mm-hmm. I am comparing the entire story of Queen Maeve in the comics to the little bit of Queen Maeve we've gotten so far on the show. And maybe that's not entirely fair. At this point in the comics, maybe the one in the show has actually kind of even done more. Really? But, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Well, I mean, there is no relationship like that in the comics okay. at all. In fact, Queen Maeve is, is not bisexual or a lesbian in the comics but she definitely was fucked over by homelander and i kind of like that i like that you know there was a time where she was like this young innocent and you know maybe had a much different attitude towards being a hero and everything like that and she's just become such a jaded hardened Mm -hmm. like bitch who prefers to like live in this drunken stupor Mm because she's just like burnt out and then and then something else emerges and also i think her friendship with starlight it kind of rekindles something too Maybe I'm, I'm spoiling too much, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the character progression in the comics. I'm, I feel like they were hinting at it, though, in season one. It, season one kind of sped through a couple of storylines and then other things they were very slow in. Uh, the relationship with Starlight and Huey, man, they they went through a lot really fast in just one season uh, in terms of what we get in the comics. And then also, I think, like Starlight and Queen Maeve's relationship to a certain degree. Queen Maeve still has a ways to go, and I'm hoping that she gets there. I was hopeful in season one, like their interaction in the bathroom, like building on, you know, sort of, you know, Maeve telling Starlight to not show them that they got to you. And then the fact that she did at one point in time have these ideals on why she wanted to be a hero as well. So, like, she's yeah. definitely of the members of the seven, like, obviously in the show, besides Starlight, she seems to be the most redeemable one left, you know. What and- about Black Noir? Well, Black Noir, Black Noir doesn't need to be redeemed. He's done only good things. He's 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 pulling his weight, like and that and that con- that continues in season two. <laughs> Dude, him making like the miso soup or whatever, <laughs> so good. Um, but uh, Mark, what what's your take on Queen Maeve and what they've done with her so far in the show? Yeah, I mean, just to echo what Jeff said about understanding the full story arc of what is Queen Maeve's character. I guess she's not too far off. I just. I prefer more of that like disenfranchised drunken stupor Queen Maeve where she just always has a martini in hand and like a gopher boy just fetching her extra drinks. Yeah, that manservant. Just just no fucks like about anything. Just got to take the edge off and ignore all the nonsense happening in the tower. I do like that Queen Maeve. And I I feel like I just hope they're not going to shortchange her too much. How I know it sounds like a lot of it's kind of feel in the first season could be the case but some of what's like going on with starlight in season two at least from what i've seen feels very akin to story arcs that 
were destined for Queen Maeve. And so I'm afraid it's going to start removing too much from her, but maybe that'll just actually open up a space for them to do something much more with the Queen Maeve character than ultimately happened in the books. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, we, we've talked about The Deep and uh, Black Noir, who, of course, is awesome <laughs> in, in everything that he does. Uh, what about Translucent? He's not in it a lot, but clearly he's a, a key figure. The thing for me that uh, I will think about with Translucent is the fight with Butcher and Huey uh, in that first episode. Because, one, I thought it was a really cool way of doing a fight with an invisible person. I love Butcher spitting the blood on him. But also, it was a key into the fact that this show uses, like, in my opinion, some really awesome music. Uh, doing London Calling there uh, was great. I just, I really enjoy that fight scene. And that just sort of set the tone for me in terms of how they're going to do action, how they're going to incorporate music. I, I love that. But what, and Translucent's a fucking creep. What did, what did you think of him, Jeff? And what is sort of the, the comparison to him in the comic book version uh he's not in the comic oh shit he's not yeah. yeah no we have a different member of the seven who's not on the show uh jack oh. from jupiter who's from jupiter uh but not yeah. really that's just his, <laughs> that's just his gimmick yeah. well like because all of them Man still Hunter. get their yeah he's kind of like a martian manhunter mm -hmm. and um oh boy what a character he is <laughs> but um <laughs> personality wise I yeah I could I could see like similarities in terms of their personality a bit uh jack lasts a lot longer and so he's a lot creepier but um, I thought trans, I, I yeah, very. I thought Translucent was a great character, and since I watched the show before I read the comics, I mean, I I got to just enjoy Translucent, and I yeah. wasn't just like, who is this guy or anything. Another thing that I really like from the show is every time they kind of do dip into like the real world or anything like that, so I get to see Translucent as a guest on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and things like like I like that. You know, it's like yeah. those are the kind of the things that uh, make it more well rounded for me. And I feel like since Translucent was only going to be in like two episodes, besides like a flashback to that Christmas party and everything like that, um, you know, they they really try to put him in as much things as possible so that you really get to know the character and, you know, kind of get biggest bang for your buck. So it's like with the little bit we did get a Translucent, I thought all of it was pretty awesome. And yeah, I'm just hanging out in the bathroom. I mean, uh, would you expect any less from an invisible man in that world, though? I mean, it, <laughs> that's what the soups are. Yeah, it's all very logical with the character, and that's where I feel like a lot of these characters are so good is because it's it just seems that's how it would be if this guy had it. I mean, he would he'd be a creep, yeah. he'd be a person. If Davis had <laughs> this power, he'd be yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if I was Hollow Man, I'd be doing the same. Dude, shit I would, dude. Him. I was gonna you'd bring be surprised up surprised <laughs> what you're gonna do if you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror. I was yeah, gonna exactly. bring up Hollow Man. Like, there's that one scene burned in my mind. Who's gonna know? And that's translucent. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I like about translucent is he's not just invisible. He also has like that diamond. Well, I mean, he's translucent. He's not even invisible. But yeah, he has that diamond hard skin. So it's like it yep. made him even more formidable. That fight is amazing. And then that's amazing. Also, torturing him and not knowing how to deal with him in the the second episode was awesome too. Yeah, and the fight's so logical too, because like, how are you gonna see this guy? You just pour shit on him, and that was always uh, the the logic behind fighting invisible superheroes. Like, why don't they just like pour a bunch of water, or, like Gatorade over him, and you're gonna see him? And they finally do it, and it seems like nobody ever does that. And, uh, and that's what happens in the show is like, no, you get the logical version of it. I don't think anybody ever really dukes it out with the invisible woman, so it's not that big of a deal. She's also kind of like, <laughs> yeah. she's not only invisible, she's also like kind of hiding a lot of the times in the old Fantastic yeah. Four comic books. <laughs> Doctor Doom's like, yeah, who gives a shit? You know, I'll, I'll deal with her later. 
Marco, what'd you think of Translucent and his addition to the to the group? I, I liked his personality and again very much akin to uh, Jack from Jupiter. Um I like that he becomes uh Huey's first kill. Uh un, you know, another character ultimately gets it in the book and, and I'm hoping they bring that team and everything around as well, so I won't, you know, divulge who that is. Uh but I, I like because that, that was the big thing. Uh, Huey's first kill is a big piece of who he is and starts him on this path of being with the boys, but always kind of questioning is what they're doing right. And is Butcher's way of doing things the right way. It's it's too mean. It's too evil. It's, it's, it's not actually being good. A- and you can tell like the death of Translucent weighs on him for a good portion. Uh, maybe it's getting covered in his blood again. <laughs> He's yeah, like th- constantly bathed in blood uh, in the first season. I think they do uh, that a, a good job of that. Yeah, in season one, and it seems like it's really continuing on in season two. Uh, there's a moment we can talk about uh, later on where Huey and I think the others are starting to question sort of Butcher's uh, leadership as it goes. Um, a train, uh, the quintessential speedster, obviously a sort of a a flash analogous uh, character. Uh, I really enjoyed how they how they do speedsters in this show in general. Like in particular, what stands out to me about A Train is when he's fighting uh, Kimiko, and he's just smashing her head at rapid speed against like the brick wall or whatever in that subway. It's like, yeah, that's how speedsters would really really mess you up. But A Train in general is just a really memorable character. Uh, he's become part of meme culture from the boys too because of Pop Claw's death. What did you think of A Train, Jeff? Uh, I liked A-Train a lot. I like him in the comics and I like him on the show. Um, one similarity that the two characters definitely have is just sort of like their their cowardice and fear around Homelander. I mean, they are both very uncomfortable around that guy. Um, what I like about A-Train on the show is with like the, the, the uh, Compound V like steroid use thing, looking at it as like an athlete that's got to constantly be at like the highest proficiency. Cause if he had lost that race, I mean, you can't be a part of the seven and be the second fastest man on the planet. I'm a shockwave I mean, guy. Know, it's like, Did it clean. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, he, there was zero margin for error. So it's like, I understand the pressure as far as something like that goes. And then I don't really know how all of their abilities work. Yeah. Can a man like that remain that fast forever? What does it do to his metabolism? Is he going to age? quickly and everything too and just kind of get burnt out also like yeah he's one of the newer members before you know after starlight so it's like he's always still you know kind of proving himself too which is kind of how it is in the comics not so much that he's worried about um being replaced but that he definitely feels a little uncomfortable and he's one of the more like underling characters uh in the seven as far as if homelander you know tells him to do something he's going to do it yeah he's always trying to prove himself and uh, yeah go ahead he feels like a little brother to the group almost. About yeah, he kind of is. Yeah. What else did you think? I, yeah, no, he, I, I love the storyline of just, you know, him having to get the fix, needing that. And they've really intertwined him with Starlight really well. I think when, you know, between season one, season two, um, you know, how that's going. And it's just, it, it's getting deeper and deeper through episode three right now, where, you know he he has to kind of be on Starlight's side for now uh, until he has something over her. So there's there's something deeper in their relationship as well. So it's he's it, the the strings are 
starting to tighten around him a little bit, and you can kind of feel that. I, I love uh, his relationship with Popclaw, too. I thought it was sad how it ended. Why would Huey do that? <laughs> Mark- oh, but yeah, that reminds me of, like, when you were talking about just how fearsome a, a speedster can be when he was fighting the female, um, him being in Huey's apartment, and oh yeah not knowing, like, where's like that to me i thought it was like the scariest scene in the entire first season because it's like you're definitely powerless against him you can't escape him yeah i mean where are you gonna go it's like he would grab you if, and and you never know i mean he was unstable at that point he was very you know emotional it's like he could have just put his hand through his head or something like that definitely i thought they did a good job of sort of the with obviously with homelander but i think besides him with with a train just that sort of like that feeling of helplessness because like look at how he attacked uh, the female like uh, kimiko uh and what he did to popclaw without you know with just a drop of a hat you know just injecting yep. her and and she was done marco what'd you think of a train a train I, I felt like had a lot more dimensionality in the show with you know this like the steroid use and, and that athlete sense uh just the fact that they tied in more of like the teenage kicks uh world building with his character in this it wasn't really something i felt like happened in in the books a lot he was definitely like the the you know the fng of the group before starlight and was kind of being taken under the wing by a jack from jupiter and doing some nefarious stuff and like sneaking off to do (laughs) drugs and act like you know boys and stuff like that but i I liked how they developed more of the teenage kicks angle and his relationship with popclaw um i mean popclaws was like nothing in the books um yeah so so i'm a filthy pig for popclaw on her character so much (laughs) And I think besides uh, just referencing he was a member of Teenage Kicks in the comic, like, that was the end of it, too. Like, he didn't have any sort of, like, lasting friendship with any of them. He just moved on. Uh, (laughs) Finally, Starlight is the newest member of the Seven in the show. Um, I thought she was great. Uh, Aaron Moriarty, I thought, did a really good job. Uh, she's gorgeous. She pulls off the whole superhero thing. Uh, I like her powers, how they look, uh, in the show. And and like I said before, I think her interaction with Huey feels very genuine. Um, and her idealism, like I liked her with the PR person. She's like, yeah, it's because I, I meant it. Like she is coming in sort of hopeful and hoping to not be taken as naive, uh, in that regard. Mark, how do you like Starlight in the, in the show? Delightful. I mean, she won my heart in that first season. She is great. <laughs> I, I, I cannot say that enough. And she seems to ring very true with, with her portrayal from the books as well. Uh, even despite everything she goes through, she's still this positive, upstanding person. Uh, and, and her relationship with Huey um, was, was done absolutely splendid in this. Um, I think she looks great. Yeah. In all of her outfits. <laughs> I, I think the new one was an improvement, but yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And then and I'm excited to see where they take her in season two with her becoming more like front and center, whether she's starting to have like a TV show come out and just like they're really pushing her hard and how she's like shying away and getting like obviously this straw from seeing like how much they're blowing her up because they're turning her into like a pop star versus her wanting to be an actual altruistic hero. Who is her comic book like, like character that she's based on? Yeah, who's the equivalent there? I find her to be more akin to uh, like Star Girl, a bit, where a little more homegrown, down to earth, uh, younger, coming into the fray, idealistic, um, especially with like the cosmic rod and the kind of energy blast that Star Girl 
does. Uh, Starlight having, you know, just the, the light powers and whatnot gotcha. seems very akin to that, I would say. Gotcha. Jeff, what do you think of Starlight? Um, yeah, I she's very consistent with what she's like in the comics, and she's a very likable character. So, I mean, I'm enjoying her. I like her on the show. I liked her throughout the entire comic book series. Her relationship with Huey is good. Um, and I like her power set and everything, too. I like her like sexy costume i like it better on the show than in the comics in the comics it's like outrageous and just not plausible and on <laughs> yeah, the it's show like bikinis yeah it's yeah <laughs> it's like it's like so cartoonishly stupid it's like stop we're like in this one i mean it sort of makes sense i can understand why they would say it's more marketable and at the same time like it, it wouldn't be unreasonable to ask yeah you, know, you know someone like that to have to wear that outfit so i get it especially because the other one does seem kind of old-fashioned and like homemade yeah, it feels kind of like uh, Silk Spectre 1 to Silk Spectre 2, almost. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Davis? I, I'm glad they had a character that was just joining the Seven and showing that transformation of what they think it's going to be and what it really is, because I, I think that's really big, and they, they did that really well. Yeah, and she and found she, out what it was. Yeah, and she, yeah, uh, and she's still finding out, just doing all the PR stuff right now in Season 2. I. I love all that stuff. So just them showing that side of the world. It's it's really neat that they're doing that. And I, I gotta say, I'm not sure if she's on purpose doing this or not, but her posture is still like really bad for what you think a superhero would be. Like just offset, off camera, when she's uh, just talking with somebody else, it's just like she just seems like she's still that little girl, like because she's not too sure of herself all the time. Uh, so I'm not sure if she's like actually trying to do that or not, but if she is, it's working. She so. needs she needs more uh, ergonomic furniture or whatever it's called. I don't know. Let's go back to that video of her next to that perfectly organized bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, it's very see, yeah. See what her posture was like there. Yeah, Vot, Vot PR came in there at Comic Con at home and definitely organized her bookshelf meticulously. Uh, what about the boys themselves? Uh, what What do you think of how that group came together? Uh, I'll just say really quick. I thought I would not like Frenchie as a character, and he absolutely won me over. I think he is great. His relationship with the female uh, and wanting to sort of, you know, crack her code and, and, and help her out was, was really good. Uh, Jeff, what, what did you think of them? Because as you alluded to, they're not soups in this, which they are in the comics. How do you think other than that, they sort of play out? Well, I mean, first off, like I said, I, I think it's better that they're not, I, I think it makes more sense and it kind of helps with the struggle. And then they're like true underdogs. So it, it's kind of better that way. Um, like I said, I thought butcher was better in the comics so far than he is on the show but i like him on the show as well and i really just like carl urban um huey is really good he's american in this as opposed to scottish i don't really care about scottish accents or scottish culture so i'm fine with him being an american <laughs> how dare you I just, yeah i just it, like those stupid references in the comics it's like this means nothing to me so it, all of that is fine stupid haggis. mother's milk to me seems exactly the same except for that he's not a soup i mean if anything in the comics he's like even bigger you know, like he's a humongous guy, Got but it. I mean, he still kind of has like that build and carries himself like that on the show. Um, and then it's like, he looks like he's the muscle of the group, but he's not, he's like the brains and that's how it is in the comics too. So that's kind of cool. The The muscle is obviously the female. And then also Frenchie are the, the, the two, like basically like the muscle ones in the comics. Frenchie is great. I think he's even better on the show than he is in the comics. Um, he seems more resourceful and not quite as insane. 
uh, and then, and then the female, if anybody's accurate, um, as far as the boys characters go, it's her. I mean, she is perfect. Even how, um, I, I feel like they've prettied her up too much in season two. I like how she wore her hair more in season one. That seemed more of what she's like throughout the entire series. I mean, she really just kind of like, wears like the oversized trench coat has her hair a certain way, sort of not a vacant expression, but like, sort of like these, this like dead face. It's you just know, kind it's of like, feral in season one. Yeah, and I feel like she's mm-hmm. kind of like that throughout the entire series. Like Frenchie is her link to the to the rest of the world, and it's like that in both uh, the show and the comics. And I like the relationship that he has with her, and and basically what happens with those two characters in the story. And I'm liking it on the show too. So I mean, I'm really enjoying how everything's going. One of my favorite things um, with the boys in season one was also how much Mother's Milk and Frenchie just hated each other and that uh, Butcher had to lie to mother, Mother's Milk that Frenchie <laughs> was even going to be a part of the operation because of the shit that had happened to them in the past. Uh, I think it was like with Lamplighter, right? And yeah. just seeing the two of them uh, clash. But then at the end, they had become closer. And now it's, I, I forget, was it Davis or whatever who referenced it? It's like Butcher's kind of like the odd man out now um, because of what his behavior was like in the last couple episodes of the first season and him like reintroducing himself in season two. And that's kind of how it is in the comics too. I butcher is the leader and, and butcher is cutthroat. And so the, the rest of the group, I feel like do become kind of tighter and he is sort of the odd man out, even though all of them owe him a lot in different ways. And he was a good friend to them at different times, but then, you know, how much can you trust butcher? Cause he is kind of self-serving. Marco, what'd you think about the, how the group played out in the show? I feel like it, it came together the right way. I mean, you miss a lot of that in the comics. Like they're very much fine tuned and it's just Huey walking into it. Yeah. Uh, whereas this was trying to reestablish them after the, you know, the tragedy that happens with Mallory. And I, I, what, what was always nice in the book, like with talking about Frenchie and uh, the female is, is that they like, while yeah, the female was, the muscle and Frenchie was kind of like the wild card, if you would. Uh, but they were also the heart of the team. Truly. It's like their little cute antics together that they clearly had this like relationship of sorts of simply platonic, like love for each other uh, brought like that was basically their whole character in the book. And I like how they're really defining that relationship in the show and, and building upon it and making them have these connections. I'm shipping them. I hope they. I hope they get together. <laughs> I like them. Nice. <laughs> well, on the show, who knows? <laughs> the boys. I, I. I like all the characters. First off, I. I do, like they're they're all very well done. Uh, I don't know them from the books or anything like that, and I really enjoy them. I just after like listening to you guys through this, I'm a little worried now because don't know how long i'm going to be able to believe that they can stand up to the seven yeah no that's and that and and that's that is a a problem when it comes to this world that they've built and and mother's milk and and just that mother's milk doesn't have powers and that is in reference to his powers it sounds like in the book and there's no reference of that that that's weird to me like why do that? Very weird, yeah. I think I think that's a great point. It's kind of why I asked the question earlier. Do you think that they will change that at some point in the series? The the, the whole reason behind it is because in watching this, like yeah, they are outgunned 
at, at every turn. They don't have powers, and they they never they can't win. They just sort of it's almost Lovecraftian. They just live to die another day, kind of deal, you know. But even with their powers, the seven definitely still outclass them. Like because Vought even right. like was running the numbers. It's like what if they ever did take a shot at the seven? And like the the scenarios always had it the same way. Both Homelander and Black Noir would survive, and Maeve probably Doing his would thing. too. <laughs> and it's like, and then everybody else would get wiped out in the battle, is what they said. And there is shit. I, I mean, um, I don't know because it hasn't come up in the show, but there is a reason why they never have a direct confrontation with each other for a very long time. And there is sort of like uh, the ceasefire type thing. I mean, I guess they're kind of going on in season two as well. Homelander has made a promise right. for Butcher so yeah, to remain okay. Butcher, from what I can yeah. see. It, it is just Butcher, where it's a little different in the, the comics, and there's more of a like a complete ceasefire. It's like, you don't directly go after this group, this group won't directly go after you, and so the Seven kind of turn a blind eye to what they've been doing to other soups groups, and I don't and and I don't think anybody ever took the boys seriously enough that they were going to be that big of a threat. And then by the time they do, it's almost too late. But then also there's other shit that's going. I, it becomes a very jumbled mess, but a very awesome jumbled mess. But but they are definitely and very I hope that happens on the show too. Very aware of them in the show. I, I'm glad you brought up the whole like truce with with Butcher because in terms of talking about uh, reveals, Jeff, you I think touched on it a little bit. But what did you all make of sort of the surprise in season one that Butcher's wife is still alive? She has a kid. It's it's Homelander's kid, very obviously. Um, what what did you sort of make of that, Mark? Uh, was mind blowing. I mean, it really was that, that totally threw me through a loop. And, and I honestly thought season two was going to pick up a little more close to where season one ended, like right there in that scene. Cause yeah, that was a hell of a confrontation to, to have happen, <laughs> you know? Um, so I thought it was wonderfully done. And what's cool is it, is it's completely off book. And, and so this is one of the exciting things, you know, coming from the original source material is like, show me a new adventure. All right. Like I get the world we have, the character, the types we have, and let's see something kind of different and exciting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. All right. Before we go to break, other memorable characters that, you know, aren't a part of the seven or the boys. I, I mentioned Mesmer. I think in terms of side characters, he's probably my favorite. It's just like the whole like Doogie Hauser-esque show. The fact that he was at a con. We got Billy Zane because of him. And just that this man is the rapist is such a fucking weirdly funny line to have in the show. Uh, other, did you, I mean, whether it's Mesmer or, or anybody else, any other side characters that we didn't hit on that you guys want to make sure that, that we do before we, before we pivot to season two. I mean, we talked about Stillwell already, but Elizabeth Banks, I might just say it. She, Not Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shoe. 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 Sorry. Hollow Man's Elizabeth Shoe. Adventures and Babysitting. Adventures and Babysitting is the one. The karate uh, Kids Elizabeth Shoe. She, she's she kills it. I'm glad they went away from the book in that sense because those those scenes again were just so memorable, and she was <laughs> a big part of that. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, anybody else that we didn't that we didn't touch on? Ezekiel. Mm. <laughs> okay. I guess I, that's not going too much into Ezekiel. Yeah, yeah. Want to. Uh, no, no, no. I was just going to say uh, we uh, Popclaw. 
top notch <laughs> character. I, I wish she, I wish she was still with us. I am a uh, filthy pig, and with that, we are going to go to break. On the other <laughs> side, we are going to talk about season two of The Boys on the Best Damn Nerd Show. What up, nerds? Loremaster Tim here. We're excited to be delivering your weekly fix of nerd culture, but it's not enough. We need your life force to sustain us. So use those hot little hands to subscribe, rate, and review us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or however you take your medicine. One of our favorite pastimes on the BDNS is reading fan mail on air. So sing us a song of hatred or love, and you may just hear your beautiful words being featured on an episode. That's why it's important, nay, essential to rate and review us. Until then, as always, nerds, say it loud, say it proud. Nerdosphere, it's the microphone alchemist Bimbo Jimbo here, and we want you to be in on the conversation with us. So sound off to us in our Discord, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at the BDNS. And you know, maybe you actually like the Star Wars prequels and sequels. Maybe you think the MCU should be a comedy open mic night on the big screen. Whatever you think, we love to feature the hottest takes from our fans on the show. So remember, if you're a nerd, always say it loud and say it proud. Hey guys, it's the loquacious anime and manga lover Jammers here. Now I have watched a lot of anime and I've read an abundance of manga. So you would think that I have a pretty interesting opinion on the culture. From classics like Golden Boy and Ghost in the Shell to masterpieces such as Psychopaths and Gangst. Come and join me as I talk about the world of anime and manga, which has had a huge impact on my life. And who knows, whatever I talk about and recommend to you guys could become one of your favorite series. Ammo with Jammers. Welcome back to the Best Damn Nerd Show. We are talking about the boys, and now let's talk about season two. And before we dive into you know what we've thought about, what we've seen from it, uh, I was surprised, uh, and apparently a lot of the, the internet and everyone else that was excited for the boys was surprised, because I thought we were getting all of season two uh, released at once. I clearly did not look heavily into it if they announced that beforehand, but uh, I thought there was some issue with my account when I only saw the three episodes on there, and so I, I went on to Twitter, and apparently I was not the only one that was uh, sort of taken unawares by that. Uh, but it definitely spurred a conversation off air between Jeff and I in terms of, you know, the boys going away from the binge watch model and what we thought about that. And, you know, they gave us three episodes as opposed to just one. But after that, they're going with a week by week kind of deal. And I think there are pluses and minuses to both. Um, what do you think about going away from the binge watch model uh, moving forward with the boys and just shows in general, I guess, Jeff, we can start with you. Um, I'm overall in favor of it. I mean, it worked out well with the Mandalorian. It's kind of how we've always watched television, you know, up until recently, the binge model kind of doesn't work because things get burnt out too fast. I mean, so much work and time goes into creating a series and it's like, if everybody watches a season in a weekend and then it's like, okay, what else you got for me? Amazon prime. It's like, well, shit, man, we're not going to have season three of the boys for you anytime yeah. soon. And it's like people lose interest. They feel like they've got burnt out. They feel like people have forgotten about it. I mean, I used to experience that a lot with HBO, not because there was a binge watching model to it. It's just it took forever between seasons of certain shows. Uh, certainly Curb Your Enthusiasm, but The Sopranos was guilty of it as well, as was Oz. 
I mean, there were a lot of shows where it's like, it seems like forever since I watched a new episode of this. It's like, I just, am I even going to return to it? And then like with shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm and everything, it's like, I stopped watching for a while and then like I revisited it. And I just feel like, you know, that's what people are saying right now about like, um, what's that show on Amazon? Uh, the Expanse. And it's like, it really wasn't that long ago that the last season came out. But since everybody watched it all immediately, it seems like forever already. And it's like, you're not going to get another season for a while. So like I said, I, I think it's kind of a good idea. You can always binge it after they're all done. They don't go away. Yeah. So it's still like, you know, superior to like what it was when it was like network television, because they're right there at your beck and call whenever you want them. And I, I feel like maybe they're they're weaning us off of it. So it's like, here's three to get you excited yeah. for the new season. But now we're going to, you know, ease off the, the gas a little bit and you're going to get one a week. It also makes it so that it's easier to avoid spoilers because, I mean, I didn't watch all of season one in one go. I kind of had to spread it out a little bit like over the course of a week. I mean, I still watch the entire season in a week, which is sort of ridiculous. But it's like, you know, you can't go online. You can't, you know, watch anything or, you know, like look at anything because people are going to drop like major spoilers. Like, I mean, I wasn't looking up stuff yet, but I mean, people definitely would have said like uh, Homeland or um, Butcher's wife is still alive, you know, and as uh, Homelander's son. Yeah. It's like that would have been terrible to see before I had watched the entire season. Well, And I think, you know, part of the fun and a lot of the stuff that makes a series sort of last beyond its runtime is the fact that, you know, if it comes out week to week, all of us can get together and talk about it. You know, part of the fun yeah. for me was, you know, at the height of the best damn nerd show was watching arrow with y'all and, and talking about each week's episode or, you know, when season one of Westworld was, you know, like the theories in between each episode and what it all meant on the, you know, the binge watch is instant gratification. You, you get your answers right after the other and stuff like that. And there is merit to that. There are things to like about it. Uh, but I like having the discussion. And so I feel like the boys maybe are just drawing the best of both worlds. They give you more than one episode. So we've waited a while and now we can really dive in feet first, but we're not getting everything at once. But M Mark, what do you think about them going away from just the straight binge? Who dives in feet first? Yeah, I like it. I, I mean, personally, I'm not able to binge a lot anymore. <laughs> and I, I find like a lot of these series that, that I get really sucked into with, with huge character development, you you really get more of it getting to digest each episode because you reflect back on the events that happened and everything like that week after week, like you said. And, and so I'm good with it because, yeah, no spoilers from all you guys. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to spoil it for you, Mark. I know you haven't finished watching season two, what's been released so far. I've seen the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's on you. It's it on the even schedule. been a week. It's on the schedule, boyo. <laughs> Davis, what? I'm really watching one a week. What say I'm you? <laughs> I love well, it. I, I mean, what it comes down to is I, I think it's just better business. I mean, and it's better for the fans, too, because now you have, you know, eight eight nine weeks of spread time where people are talking about it constantly they're waiting for it they're discussing what they want to see what happened in the last episode you been you you put it on the binge you might get two weeks of chatter maybe possibly and then it's gone and it, it's it's just for the show's sake the longer people are talking about it, the more it's going to stay top of mind and the longer it probably the show can go on which 
is what we want as long as it's good. I mean, it's probably not a good thing for a bad show. But that's not going to go well. <laughs> Fair point. Like, that, that, not, not, not a good model for a show that's not going to resonate with a lot of people. So uh, I, I think all in all, it's it's good for the fans. It's good for business for them. And uh, it's probably just another moment of us feel feeling like the uh, get off the lawn kid because those – the younger generation wants instant grad. They they, they so. like to binge. They do. I, I will say, though, you know, the, the drawback, okay, we're in a pandemic. There's not as much to do. We're supposed to stay in our homes. So, like, obviously people, a lot of people have more time to binge watch right now. Not, not everyone does. Uh, but what I'll say to that is look at Tiger King, which was a phenomenon at the start of this whole ordeal. But it kind of burned out pretty quickly. And on the other side, you have The Last Dance, the the Michael Jordan, the Bulls documentary. And they released that week after week. And it did insanely big ratings. And people were talking about it for a longer period of time. And it became another sort of, you know, really, you know, big phenomenon. So I'm all for uh, this, this new model and going away from just the straight binge. And like Jeff said, I think it worked really well for The Mandalorian. It was a nice... It was a nice change of pace and a throwback to uh, to how we used to enjoy our, our shows and everything. So I, I'm I'm all for it. But let's let's get into season two itself. What have you guys thought so far? Has it maintained the same tone? Uh, what do you think of the new characters? Davis, we'll start with you. And Mark, I apologize. Well, actually, you know what? Let's start with Mark. Since one episode in, Mark. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I am digging it i like all the boys out on the lamb i like uh the the fun digs that frenchie found for them in the <laughs> what looks like a drug sewer <laughs> it's great um I, I really like homelander's you know interaction with forgive me gus Fring. i think his name's edward something i think in the show stan edgar uh, Edgar, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like his initial interaction with him because that definitely reminds me of the Stillwell from the comic books. Um, the meltdown for the deep <laughs> in Sandusky. Does does him uh, at the water park yelling at kids <laughs> is, is absolutely delightful. Um, yeah, I, I just watched the first episode and it was enough. I felt like a lot was packed in, just like in season one. I mean, season one was, what, eight episodes? And I feel like so much happened, yeah. uh, even just in this first uh, episode. Uh, I'm fully back in. It's like I'm reestablished with all the characters. And even just having Butcher uh, just show up at the at the end, you know, Daddy's home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, ah, classic Butcher. What are you up to? You? I'll wait to <laughs> see what he does, Mark. I can't wait. <laughs> well, I can't wait. Sorry, buddy. Ear muffet. Um, Davis, what you don't you... have to wait. Yeah, you're, you're right now, partner. <laughs> Davis, what do you think? I mean, how many marine animals are we going to just absolutely slaughter in these seasons? Because that whale <laughs> was just obliterated. Uh, so that was that was a fun scene. Uh, no, it's it's been keeping up with season one. The first episode, Mark, that you saw, it was a lot of build up. I thought, which was it needed to where we're going in this uh, second season. And I I actually really like how fast they've actually gotten uh, the V chemical out in the open in the news. They're already talking about. It. I thought I didn't think that was going to be like a reveal until the end of the season, and I thought that was going to be like the big kind of like last two episode thing that they're fighting over but 
uh, now you get to see the business side of the soups. That's that's awesome. That, that's something that, again, you don't get to see in normal superhero movies. And if superheroes were real, I do feel like they would be marketed like this. They would be celebrities. And I, it's really, it's a really cool conversation to have. If that were the case, where it would go. And mm-hmm. what what would the business side of it be? How much would it affect the superheroes and all that? And uh, it, that's been fun to see. Uh, Stormfront, she's been an interesting addition. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I I'm not a huge fan of the actress and what I've seen her in elsewhere. Um, she is, from what I know, killing the role because she's, you know, she's funny. She's uh, exactly what I feel like that team or the marketing wanted um even though the lisa girl like hates her but i think that's what they wanted in there and there's something deeper about her that you can tell like she's there for some other reason we just don't know what it is yet but uh she's there for something else i feel like so she's been fun though jeff i'll let you build on that um yeah a couple of things that david said i didn't think that the compound v public uh, exposure would have happened this soon either. So I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to turn out. I'm not against it. Um, just kind of curious with the story. In terms of Stormfront, uh, I don't like the gender swap from the comic book character. I don't like the personality oh. change either. Um, even the powers are different. Um, she's more like a storm. Mm-hmm. You know, like she has like quite literally. Powers. It's like like yeah. <laughs> like Stormfront. The name makes sense for her powers in the. Uh, on the show um and then also her being part of the seven i'm not really a huge fan of that either because one of the things i love in the comic is how big the world is and there are other teams and stormfront i don't know if he was the leader exactly but definitely one of the more compelling personalities it's like he belonged to this group that was sort of like just below the seven and stormfront's power level like everybody knew homelander could kick his ass but like he's not much lower than that and he's more vicious than Homelander in a lot of ways, too. So it's like, I don't know if the two of them ever got into a fight, it would be kind of serious. Yeah, you never know. Um, what, yeah. And what, and when he fought the boys, it was fucking brutal. Uh, I, I loved it in the comics because he's man. What a son of a bitch he is. What's his um, uh, power ability in the books? He's he's kind of more like Homelander. I think he does have the lightning ability, but it comes out of like his eyes or something like that. So he, he very much is like Homelander. Um I don't want to get into it too much just in case they do do more things with her on the show that end up like the comic and episode three kind of hinted at that. Yes. So um, I am curious to see what happens with her in the future. I'm not against everything that she's done on the show. I think she's all right. I think I would appreciate her more if I had not read the comics just Mm. because I already kind of have this stormfront character built in my head. And it's like, I would have liked to have seen that on the show. It would have been, really wild but um i don't know I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of season two i thought season two so far has been okay i don't know it's not hitting me the same way as season one has uh first episode was all right maybe because yeah it was just sort of setting things up like you said chris um i don't know how i feel about the cult thing with uh the deep i i like that he's still doing the redemption arc thing but i don't know it just seems kind of cheesy and then like yeah. the archer hero guy with him it's like i don't know if i really give a shit about this <laughs> Don't drink the um, fresca, dude. Just don't yeah, do that, it. That don't. whole thing, that, that was creeping me out. Don't but, drink um, it. <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I, I'm still enjoying his character progression. Oh, I definitely didn't enjoy the, the Gills uh, talking. With, with Patton Oswalt. But I don't like Patton Oswalt. Yeah. I, I liked him on the TV show Happy. 
doing the voice of Happy. Yeah. But uh, I, I didn't need the gills to start talking. Yeah, no, Patton um, Oswalt stinks. When, yeah. He's on that, shr- and you he's don't on like that shroom tea, man. Yeah. And then uh, I guess we're um, just digging more into Deep's character and you you see him as, you know, more sympathetic than he even was uh, in season one. So it's like, I guess that's kind of cool and everything like that. Um, and then I I, I kind of wish that they didn't show the whale scene at Comic-Con. I agree. It was so awesome. It, it was so much more fun to just watch it on the show. I completely but, I mean, agree. I understand it's like it's a real gotcha scene, so I can understand why they used it. My favorite part of the whale scene is just how the deep looks on top of the whale. He looks awesome. <laughs> he does him. look awesome, but it's just he's just deep doing his thing, man. It's just so like classic comic book, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I I really enjoyed that. I've I've I've, I've very seen much... Aquaman do that exact same thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it totally worked. And Chase Crawford again is nailing the role. Uh, I've yeah really enjoyed uh season two um i I think so far the tone overall is about the same and sort of the 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 things that they're exploring feel like they're going to be the same uh especially after you know how episode three ended that felt like they're not pulling any punches maybe down the line with stormfront the fact that she's going to be this racist character um i don't really like stormfront and i i think there is more of it now that's like I'm supposed to not like her, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> I do appreciate her breaking down the press junket and like chastising them for their stupid questions because I know exactly what that's like and what those people do. So her shaming them for their shitty questions, I definitely appreciated. Uh, but she is very much so sort of the uh, like youth uh, generations character with the Instagram live and the followers and stuff. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if she had a TikTok. And clearly, that's not for me. I was born old, <laughs> so I, I'm not really that into Stormfront right now. But I love uh, her presence, though, is sort of making uh, Homelander more of a good guy babyface. Like he's clearly not a good guy, but like this is our bad guy. You know, now this Johnny come lately Stormfront character is like, no, Homelander, much more charming and charismatic. He's the evil one uh, that we want to be preoccupied with. I like all of the scenes so far with Homelander and uh, his kid and Butcher's wife. Like, and it's still sort of very much so on brand with everything that we saw from him in season one, uh, especially when they explored his backstory and, you know, the blanket and everything and, you know, him throwing the kid off of the roof. Uh, to reveal his powers was uh, was a great scene. I and like even the, I think what was better was them at breakfast. Like him asking for more syrup was just such a just such a dick. Uh, and Butcher's wife really plays up into the fact she's completely helpless to stop this guy. You know, and yeah. she stands her ground at certain points, but she knows that she's just like sort of hilariously overwhelmed by what he is. Um, we didn't ask this question in the previous segment, so I'll, I'll pose it to you, you two now. Mark, for those of you uh, not watching on YouTube, has removed his headset. Um, but do you think that the I pardon I forget you know Butcher's wife's name. Do you think her character uh, Rebecca, uh, yeah. her her character and Homelander? Do you think that was a consensual deal, or or is it as Butcher says that he forced herself on him? Boy, like because uh, I've gone the- back and forth on it. I kind of feel that it's, I don't know if it's something that she regrets, but like, I'm kind of now saying that it wasn't consensual. That's how I'm looking at it. But I was thinking it was consensual in season one that she was still alive at the end of season one. So I don't know, maybe it was, and she just has now realized who Homelander is, but man, that, that screws up so many things too. 
Yeah. I, 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 think I don't know. With the, with the tone of the books, I think that they're going to make it so it wasn't consensual. I, I, I mean, just think it, well, yeah. and it's not consensual in the books. And uh, she just doesn't survive childbirth. I mean, the thing just like heat visions itself out of her. Yeah. And uh, Butcher has to beat the like fetus to death. Yeah. Or the newborn to death at that point, I suppose. Um, and it's like, that's what happens to her. And like, he, he witnesses that, you know? So it's like the whole thing yeah. is tremendously awful. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and as horrible as all of that is, and, you know, never wanting to wish that, but in terms of like narrative and character, it's like, that makes more sense. It also makes Rebecca a more sympathetic character. It may, it, you know, yeah, it, it, she's like saint, like in the comics and she can remain that way where like, I mean, that's almost why it can't be consensual. Cause then it's yeah. like, then what is butcher fighting for fighting for? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then this is one thing right. uh, from from season one that we forgot to mention, because you brought up the baby and, and Butcher when when Butcher and Mother's Milk are in the hospital <laughs> and using the baby as a laser gun. Oh, yeah. It's so good. He's like, that was fucking diabolical. It's one of my favorite lines in the whole show it was so good. Um but overall, a uh, season two, while maybe not as like just completely mind blowing because it's not as new, I, I have really enjoyed. I, I like uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito as as Stan Edgar. Uh, I think you know what you guys have described as as Stillwell feels sort of very true to like his sort of like ice in his veins kind of nature. Um, yep. You know the 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 Archer and the Colt thing. I'm 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 waiting to see on it. Uh, and see see how it goes. I do think it's kind of funny how the deep is sort of paired up with like kind of a, a D lister, uh, and and everything like that. I, I'm all for expanding this world uh, of the boys and everything. Um, but uh, so any any other standout moments from season two so far, or things that you wish they um, hadn't done, like the compound fee thing. I also agree with you guys. Like I didn't expect that. Um, but then it, it feels like it hasn't been made to be that big of a deal. And I know it just happened recently, but even, like Butcher shit all over it. But it's like a huge win for them. Um, yeah, I, it, I, I yeah. think it just opens up so much more of the story that they could possibly do on the corporate front of it, which mm -hmm. is, it, it is interesting. It's interesting to see like how that would be. And that's why I like that they did it that early. What do you guys think of Kimiko's uh, brother, uh, R.I.P.? Uh, I thought he was fine. Yeah, he he was fine. It, it was it was uh, the dialogue was good between them. Yeah, I, I, it felt very real what they were going through. Um, I almost teared up. I will admit, I almost had it. So good. You yeah. should have filmed yourself like Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. like Kevin Smith I, does. Then we would know it's genuine. <laughs> yeah, and almost, and totally I not planned and orchestrated. You know, totally not planned. No, I I agree with Davis in terms of. Like I, I enjoyed that dynamic and uh, the fact that like yeah he's you know a bad guy he's anti-America and all and all that stuff, uh, but their brother sister relationship I thought was was well done and again playing off of Frenchie and him wanting to help both of them was good. All right, I want Mark to put your put his headphones back on. <laughs> I can't believe they killed like Huey. That early on into season two. Lies. <laughs> Mark Mark's now back on headset as we are winding down here this episode of the Best Damn Nerd Show talking about the boys. Uh, I just want to end with sort of, you know, is the boys and its success sort of a reaction to I think how some of us has felt, you know, in recent years toward the sort of 
the superhero saturation. I know it was a comic book and everything like that, but now that it's been adapted, uh, is there any part of you that feel like you took to it because there's almost like this superhero overload? And so like a subversion of that is, is kind of just what we needed. I, I definitely feel that way that for me, it was this cool sort of like new take on it. So it freshened up the genre in a lot of ways. I don't think there you can deny that. I don't think any of us could, and I, I'll call you out as a liar if you do. Well, I'm <laughs> going to. I'm going to deny it. I'm going to argue it. No, I. I just. I mean, I enjoyed it because it's its own interesting story. But I mean, like subversion for subversion's sake, I I find disgusting. It's yeah. like, and I don't. I mean, how much superhero fatigue do I have if I've seen most of the superhero movies and we are kind of excited for the Snyder Cut on uh, HBO, if for no other reason than just you know, curiosity's sake. Davis? I don't think it means that we're not overdone on it, though. Like, yes, Are you going to stop watching Marvel movies? <laughs> you're wearing a Marvel no, shirt. But, uh, <laughs> but damn, man. Oh, no, I, I guess you're not that over it. It's like, I feel like it's like all I watch now, and I still like it, but I, but I do want new stuff, and that's why I think this is, this is why it's attracted so many people to it, is because it's seeing the other side and I, uh, well, I think not only that, it's also, I mean, it's completely fresh characters. I mean, if you make a Spider-Man yeah. movie, for the most part, it's like, I mean, I know Spider-Man, so I know at least what it should be that. like. I, 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 I think there, but, there, there's but, all... I mean, it's like, yeah, with the boys, it's like, this is kind of like its own unique tale, but, um, I mean, it, even what it's doing, I mean, has been done in the past with the Watchmen and stuff like Watchmen, that. Watchmen, yeah, totally. I, I think the Watchmen cool thing, like, with Watchmen cool. is that, uh, that, they are new characters, but they are built based off of, in large part, very familiar ones. So they're able to do new things with them, but it's like there's an easy end to who these characters are and just kind of funny with it. But, Mark, what do you, what do you take on sort of is this, do you think, a, a new wave of sort of this type of superhero genre? Do you think this this freshens it up? Yeah, I, I think more of the, uh, like the average consumer nowadays is much more versed with, superheroes and superhero lore and and superpowers and things like that i mean just look no further than the cw and you can see like every single show that's a hit is power based in that regard and so i think people still are have getting supernatural yeah still. <laughs> has super in the title has super in the title but uh you know so and natural <laughs> are are excited by the concepts that are superpowers and people with powers and a lot of the relationships that can that can come out of that but they want to see something new they want to see something that they can jump into and not have it be uh i mean i don't feel this way but maybe like a tired character if you would that's like oh yeah it's superman oh i've always known about i superman. knew you were going to use like that. that as an example as your tired character you shut your mouth mark and you take those posters <laughs> i don't down. believe it you don't deserve to be a superman <laughs> fan anymore out there you know uh i i, I can see people wanting to see something a little different since it's it's mo like who's more evil homelander or and, superman and, in the snyderverse and superpowers <laughs> has never been more accessible for people more and vile so, I, I think we're going to start seeing more and more properties adapted uh, from comic books that, that are very intriguing. Like a deadly class came out as a adaptation. Unfortunately got canceled. Didn't make it past the first season, but I implore you find season one of deadly class and give that a watch. If, if you like what, what's been developed out of uh, the boys and just uh, the preacher um, show is fantastic. It's just, 
there's a lot more being pulled from comic books nowadays. I don't like thumbing my nose at the Lord. I'd be in capes for Christ. And, and, and I think the boys is delivering on that. And I think there's a lot of other shows that have delivered on that. And um, especially like superpower things. If you're familiar, familiar with uh, invincible from Robert Kirkman as well, his superpower uh, is getting a animated version, I believe coming out. Uh, that's going to be super cool. And, and so it just geeks me out just excited that these are having happening and that the mass market, if you would, is responding so positively to it. I don't think it's because it's fatigue and people don't want it. I think it's because they can't get enough of it. And so they need more. They want more. It's just like, they're talking about uh, Stillwell in season one, talking about the number of franchises, the number of superheroes there are and, and everything like that. Uh, it is, it is definitely a, a different sort of exploration than what we've, become used to in the last couple of years and everything like that. I am I am eager to continue talking about what happens in season two uh, of the boys as they as they switch to the the week to week model. So it might become some type of recurring segment, perhaps a show within a show. Dare to dream. No promises. Uh, but this has been a fun. Sounds like a real miss. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it's on target. Uh, Daryl. <laughs> so, sometimes <laughs> it's on target. Uh, sometimes you wear your white hat or your black hat. But but that is going to do it for this edition of the Best Damn Nerd Show. It's been a lot of fun talking the boys with the boys. So have a great week, everyone. And remember, if you're a nerd, always say it loud and say it proud. Hey, everyone. Chris Seglia, CEO of the Tenno Media Network here. Thank you so much for listening to our content. But we need your help. Please rate us five stars, subscribe, and give us a shining review wherever you listen to this podcast. It really, really helps us out. And one more thing, please tell a friend if you can. Tell them Tacey Steve, Hanzo Gonzo, Mark Mann, Rip, Ricky Replay, or someone who everyone loves sent you or something. That might help. Anyway, again, thank you for listening. And if you want more, make sure to check us out at www.ten-o.gg. www.ten-o.gg. You're listening to the 10010 Media Network.